Just a quick uh, update on Margaret, at least as of about uh, 5.30 last night, and there might be somebody here who would have more information, but about 5.30 last night, she was actually doing quite well. The doctors told us on Friday night, I, I was at the hospital on Friday night, and she uh, was not doing very well. The doctors said that they thought she would probably be gone by the morning, and so that's why we uh, sent out an email and said she probably wouldn't make it through the night, but uh, she actually has done quite well. Which, it's like no surprise. <laughs> and so, the fact is, is that they don't know uh, if this is imminent and exactly when uh, this might happen for Margaret, where she would transition from this life to the next. Uh, it's just a matter of her body not being able to uh, supply itself with the oxygen, oxygen, oxygen that it needs, and she also is not able to expel the CO2. You know, like it's that photosynthesis thing that we talk about where the trees produce uh, oxygen and they take in carbon dioxide and we do exactly the opposite. We take in oxygen, we produce carbon dioxide and the carbon dioxide that's being produced by her body isn't being expelled the way it needs to be. And so it's staying in her body and, uh, and the percentage of carbon dioxide is just too much. So it's, gonna, it's going to eventually take her life, uh, but we just don't know when that's going to happen. So we need to keep praying for her family and for Margaret. And she is in a, she's been in, in a great frame of mind, a big smile on her face. I, I said in the email, email when I walked in on Friday night to see her in, in emergency, uh, she had a mask on that was supplying her with, uh, with the oxygen that she needs. But through the mask, she smiled at me. And, she, and the first word, she didn't say, hi, Kelly, how are you or anything? She just said, I'm going to be with my father. And she had a big smile on her face, and you could tell she had made that decision and was quite happy to, to go there. And we should be happy for her. We should be rejoicing that, that Margaret has a chance to be with her father the way that she really wants to be. So keep all of that in mind as we continue to worship this morning, and God's going to continue to be with our sister for sure. Rome uh, was not built in a day, we sometimes say. And that's very true. I just don't know if you know how true it is. Rome began in 753 BC. The Eastern Roman Empire was defeated by Serbia in AD 1348. That is 2,101 years that the Roman Empire took to begin and then expire. It's zenith probably happened around 117 AD, which is 870 years, 870 years after it began. How old is Canada? Not quite that old. Like, what are we? We must be in about 135 or 140 or something like that. 147? Thank you. How, how many of the rest of you were as close as I was in your thinking? See, I had to do that Canadian citizenship test not long ago. So I, was, I knew I was going to be in the ballpark. Well, that's, a, that's not very long in comparison to 2,101 years. Well, the, the, the Great Wall of China, there are some parts of the Great Wall of China that took about 20 years to build. But overall, it took about 2,000 years to go from the beginning of the Great Wall of China to where it is right now. There is a cathedral in Cologne, Germany that began in 1248. They started to build it in 1248. They had a big uh, setting of the cornerstone. It was quite an auspicious occasion. They finished in 1880. 
It took 632 years to get the cathedral in Cologne, Germany to where they want it to be. That's a long time. My guess is this building took less than 18 months. It took them 632 years. People built things differently then than they do now. Well, sometimes we in our lives take a long time to do things too. Like the things that are really important, like building life. You know, it's taken Margaret, it's taken Margaret 95 years to get to where she wants to be. She wants to go and to be with the Lord. But it's taken her 95 years to get to that point. And life is such that sometimes it just takes a long time. And the fact is that becoming what we want to be can be two steps forward and one step back. And don't you sometimes wonder, will I ever get to where I want to be? Like if you're like me, you look at your life and you say to yourself, I am not what I want to be. And sometimes it really is two steps forward and one step back. Sometimes it's one step forward and two steps back. And we're not able to get all, become all that we want to be very quickly. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Um, moving forward to be what we want to be in the Lord. And, and the fact is, I want to give you a little bit of a shortcut here. The turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5, first of all. It's on page uh, 829 in the Pew Bibles. In fact, if you know, usually I say, please look at your own Bibles, but if you have a Pew Bible, that's fine. Today, I would almost rather have you look at your Pew Bibles. Okay, most of you are going to have a Pew Bible in front of you, and there's a reason for that. So if you have a Pew Bible in front of you, or if you can share with one another uh, that Pew Bible, the reason why is because it has the scripture all in one place. Now, if your Bible has that too, that's great. I just don't, I, I want us to not have to flip back and forth through a whole bunch of pages the way you do in my Bible in order to get there today. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. We're not going to read this right now, but I just want you to note it because this is like a crescendo. This is where we're headed today. We're headed for verse 15 through verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 5. That's going to be where we end. It's, a, it's like a crescendo. It's the finale. You know, it's that uh, thing at the end of the show. Uh, what's it called? The, the, uh, where the players all come back. The encore. Right. Thank you very much. The encore. You know, I've been to, I haven't been to very many concerts, but I've noticed that at a concert, they always save the song that you really want to hear until the encore, and they hope that you're going to stand up and clap long enough so that they can come out for the encore and play that song, right? Because that's the one you really want to hear. So you just have to wait, and then you, you, okay, we'll stand and give you a standing ovation, and then you can come out and play the song I came to, to hear. Well, we're headed for Ephesians 5.15. It's the song that we want to hear, but we have some preliminary stuff to do first. And so first I want you to just keep your finger right there. And if you're in a pew Bible, this is the advantage. You can just flip over to Ephesians chapter 1 very easily. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, and Ephesians chapter 3 are all about this. They're all about what Jesus has done for us, what God has done in Christ. And we're not going to read anything from Ephesians 1 through 3, but I just want you to see the first half of the book of Ephesians is all about what God has done through Christ for us. He sets us up. He says, this is grace, this is salvation, this is forgiveness, this is the cross, this is you standing in Christ. And that's what he does for the first three chapters in the book of Ephesians is set us up 
for what it is that God has done in Christ. Then, look at your Bibles. You'll see in chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, as you just kind of glance down through those verses, you'll find that 1 through 16 in the chapter 4 is all about the church. And what Paul has done is he's talked about what Jesus has done for three chapters and said, this is what Christ has done. And then he says in verses 1 through 16, this is what the church is supposed to be. So he's talking now about a response. What is the response of the church to who Christ is? What's the response of the church to what Christ has done? That's verses 1 through 16. And then we come to verse 17 of chapter 4. And that's where I really want to live uh, for most of our time this morning. In chapter 4, verse 17, Paul begins to talk about behavior. He starts to talk about what it is that he wants us to be and to do in Jesus in response to the first three chapters, which is what did I say? What's the first three chapters about? What God has done in Christ, okay? God has done something wonderful in Christ, and then that's the first three chapters, and then in chapter 4, verse 17, he begins to talk to us about what it is that we are supposed to be, what we're supposed to do. And notice in verse 17, He makes the specific comment. He says, I want you to no more live like the Gentiles. Do you see that? Does everybody see that in verse 17? I don't want you any longer to live like the Gentiles. Now, just that word live there is a wonderful word. Somebody was telling me earlier this week, Kelly, you keep talking about Greek on Sunday mornings. Another Greek word today, Mike. You're going to love this. The word peripateo. Isn't that a great word? In fact, everybody just roll that off your tongues with me for a second here, okay? Peripateo. Say that with me. Peripateo. Isn't that a great word? Like, you should just use that in some conversation tomorrow. Okay, go to work and say, yeah, we were talking about peripateo at church yesterday. And and they're going to say, what is that? And you can say, it means to walk. It simply means to walk. And so what Paul says is, don't walk walk anymore like the Gentiles. But it's a word that becomes more than just walk. It becomes a word that means live. And you know how this is. Walk in peace. Walk in love. Well, what do you say? You don't mean walk in love. You mean live in love. And so that's exactly what Paul does here. He uses peripateo. And and a little clue here. This is interesting. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul uses the word peripateo twice. In the next three chapters, Paul uses the word peripateo, or to live or walk, eight times. Okay? 80% of the time that this word is used in the book of Ephesians, it comes in the last three chapters. Well, that tells you that Paul's concerned, way more concerned, in the last three chapters with how you live. And so here's what he does. Now, follow with me. I'm going to go quickly through this, talking about how it is that he wants us to live. First of all, he said, I don't want you to live like the Gentiles. Okay? Now, just go through these verses with me. Notice he says, I want there to not be any Gentile thinking or understanding. Don't let your thinking and understanding be what the Gentiles is. Do you see that? Then he says, I want there to be some sensitivity among you, where the Gentiles themselves have lost all sensitivity. And I think he means by that, they just don't care about what goes on. They've lost sensitivity about what their lives are supposed to be like. Next, he talks about sensuality and impurity and lust and says, I don't want that to be be part of what you're doing. And so don't live 
like the Gentiles in that way. That takes us down through verse 20. Then, in the next section, he talks about how we Christians are supposed to be different. And he says, I want you to put off your old self. Do you see that? Put off your old self. Then he says, I want you to have renewed attitudes. Don't have the same old attitudes, but have renewed attitudes. Then he talks about how I want you to put on a new self in light of the fact that we are Christians. And so he's been talking in some very general ways about what it is that he wants us to do and to be. We're now down to about verse 25 in the text, and he gives us a whole series of things that he wants us to do. So he says things like, put off falsehood and speak truthfully to one another. Do you see that? Then he talks about anger. He says, control your anger, basically. Don't let your anger get away with you. He talks about how we're not to steal, but instead are to work for a living. He talks about how there's not to be any unwholesome talk, only what is encouraging. There's not to be any bitterness as we move on through life and relationships with people. There's not supposed to be range or rage or anger. We're not supposed to have any brawling. There's not to be among us any slander or any malice. We're supposed to have kindness and forgiveness be part of who we are. Now, up until now, for the first or for these last few verses, Paul's been talking about very specific kinds of behaviors in which he wants us to participate. For just a moment, in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, he gets much more general again. Notice he says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And he talks about how we're to live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Then after that, In verses 3 and following, he starts to talk about some specific behaviors again. And he says, I don't want there to be any sexual immorality among you. I don't want there to be any impurity among you. I don't want there to be any greed among you. No obscenity. Let's not have any foolish talk. Let there not be any coarse joking. As he continues to talk about the lifestyle that we're supposed to live. And then we move into chapter 5, verse 8 and following. And there's again some general kind of admonitions. He said, I want you to live as children of light, not as children of darkness. I want you to live with goodness, righteousness, and truth. And finally, he says, I want to expose the deeds of darkness. And so as we finally get to chapter 5, verse 15, we get to this part that I said in the beginning was going to be a kind of crescendo a finale, the denouement, the place where you get at the end and you say, aha, this is what this is all about. And we've arrived at that point. Now, you can already tell where I'm going. You know exactly what the crescendo is. You know exactly what the finale is. You know what the final point is going to be. What are we talking about this morning, folks, in terms of behavior and behavior being shaped by God and God leading us to become what he wants us to be? What are we talking about? Tell me. We're supposed to be like Christ. That's definitely true. But what is this about? What is our picture about? What does that represent for all of us? The Holy Spirit. And we've been talking about it for months. It's the picture that's on the banner. The whole idea of being what God wants us to be is going to be governed by who 
the Holy Spirit is and the role that the Spirit is going to play in our lives. And notice all these statements that talked about behavior from 417 through 514, all of that is taking us someplace in terms of what God wants to do with our behavior. And here is the crescendo. Look at verse 15 of chapter 5. Paul says, be very careful then how you live. The most important word in that sentence is the word then. And I wish that the English did this. The the NIV doesn't do this justice. There is a, a, a wonderful summation here. And there's a word in Greek that Paul uses to say, this is my crescendo. This is the point. I am summing this up for you. I've been talking about your behavior for the last chapter and a half, telling you how you're supposed to live. And now I'm going to sum this up and tell you the the core element of what it means to live like Christ. And he does that in Greek way better than the NIV does it. But when he says, then, be very careful, then how you live, he says, be very careful, then based on what we just saw, how you now live, not as unwise but is wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And and you just say, what are you really getting at, Paul? Because he's used some very general statements again there. Well, be wise, not unwise. Don't be foolish. But what are you really saying, Paul, when you say, don't be foolish? When you say, don't be unwise, but be wise, what's your real point. And the point comes in verse 18. And I I wish in many ways that Paul doesn't write what he writes now because it's a little bit confusing for us. What's the, the next line that Paul writes in verse 18 is don't get drunk on wine. And it looks like all of a sudden Paul is trying to make a point about drunkenness. And so, you know, we look at that and we go, oh, well, he's been talking about all these behaviors and now he's talking about how we're supposed to be wise and not foolish. And so it makes sense that he's going to make some comment about drunkenness. But do you know Paul's point right there is not actually about don't get drunk. And the reason why is because Paul's statement about drunkenness is really about control. What is it that controls your life? And the point is simply this. When you get drunk, what happens? Everything changes. Something else controls your speech. Something else controls the way that you act, your behavior. Something else controls the way that you think. And it's the alcohol that gets into your system and it starts to control you. And so when Paul says, don't get drunk, what he really means is, don't be controlled by something like wine. But be controlled by what? Be filled, he says, with the Holy Spirit. And that's his whole point. That's what all of this has been leading up to. That's the crescendo. Don't let something else like wine or whatever it might be control your life. Instead, allow your life to be controlled by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he gives us this beautiful line. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. But instead, be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. So drunkenness is just a foil. It's just an analogy. What he wants is control, control by the Spirit in our lives so that we offer ourselves to God and are then controlled by his Spirit. And, and that's the secret. That's the key. So that if you ever think to yourself, you know, my behavior is not what it should be. I want to live differently for God, for Christ, than what I do. This is the key. Sometimes we get frustrated. It takes so long. It is one step forward, two steps back. And God is saying, be filled with the Spirit. Because it changes everything. It's the summation, the crescendo of what life can be if we allow God to truly work within us. And so this is one of the big roles that the Holy Spirit wants to play in our life. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit for so many months now. I can't think of anything more significant that the Spirit wants to do in us than control our lives to be more what we should be. So the question this morning is, what or who controls you? Who or what controls you? Is it you? Is it your circumstances? Is it wine? It needs to be the Holy Spirit of God. Now let me show you one other thing here, which is really cool with these verses. I want you to just read these verses as I tell you to read them. And, and notice the connection. You, you'll get the theme running through these, okay? But I want somebody to be able to tell me. I hope, I hope this works. Look at chapter 4, verse 15. Chapter 4, verse 15. Now look at chapter 4, verse 25. And look at chapter 4, verse 29. And look at chapter 5, verse 4. Chapter 5, verse 4. 415, 425, 429, and 54. What's the common thread running through those verses, folks? Speaking. Speech. Four times in that section, Paul talks specifically about the way that we speak. Now I want you to look at verse 19 of chapter 5. What does Paul have to say about our speech? You know, for years, for decades, for centuries now, at least one century, we have used verses 19 and 20 of Ephesians chapter 5 to make a certain point. It has to do with music. Verses 19 and 20 are not talking about that. Verses 19 and 20 are talking about our speech. It's the summation of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in the way in which we speak to one another. He wants our lives to exemplify a certain way of speaking. 
which becomes a certain way of relating, not just to ourselves, but to God. And so he says, speak to one another this way with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Well, it's all spirituality. Speak to each other in spiritual ways. Let God govern the ways in which you interact with each other. And then he says, sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. And the point is, is that there is a a spirituality that will take us over and that will control our interaction, not just with each other, but with God. And he wants the spirit to dominate our lives so that we end up being these positive, happy, joy-filled, singing, spirit-filled Christians exemplifying what God wants us to be. I've heard it said many times that you can tell when a woman is happy You know how you tell when a woman is happy? She sings in the kitchen. Now that may be a terribly outdated, chauvinistic thing to say. But I'm old. And that's one of the things that when I was a kid, I remember people saying that. I remember someone saying that and me going home and walking in the house and listening. Was my mother singing Because I wanted to know if she was happy. And that's what Paul is trying to say. That when the life united with Christ is what it should be, this kind of joyful singing, speaking to one another in this way, and speaking to the Lord in this way, is just going to overflow out of our lives. That is how we will live. That's how we'll walk. And that, my friends, is a blessing in the Lord. To know that the Spirit is supposed to do that in our lives. If the Spirit's not doing that in your lives, you need to open yourselves up to God's Spirit to work in you in that way. And I, oh, I pray that you're open to that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for working uh, in us the way you do and changing our lives. Sometimes it seems like it takes so long and we make so little progress, but we can see that your Spirit wants to bring the transformation. It's the key. You have provided us with this power source that changes everything. And it doesn't have to be two steps forward and one step back or even one step forward and two steps back. It doesn't have to be that way because your spirit wants to to change us and transform us and make us new. Make our lives available to you. And Father, change our behavior. Change the way we think. God, change our, our speech and bring from our hearts and our lives singing. We pray through Jesus. Amen.